This is NFL.com's Coaches Show Podcast. 40 men together can't lose. This is why you lift all them weights. Everybody's grabbing out there. Nobody's got them. And now we're going. There's a gleam, men. There's a gleam. Thanks for checking out the Coaches Show. I'm Brian Billick and my partner, Steve Mariucci. Before we get started here, Steve, we talked about a little before we went on air. I came away a little wanting this weekend. I, I didn't feel it was good football. We saw it a lot of great plays and obviously some good wins. But I don't know that I came away feeling, other than maybe the Patriots and the good wins, going, okay, yeah, this team's, this team's catching fire. This is a good football team. I can kind of see where we're going right now. I just I was kind of left wanting. Yeah, and uh, the Patriots probably were the ones that said, hmm, we're going to flex our muscles against the number one defense and crush these guys. And then I think you're right. After that, you know, I thought San Francisco would blow out the Redskins. That didn't happen. They had to put a drive together to win that thing. And then the Cardinals, uh, you know, they they didn't play very well up there in Seattle. Who does? But, uh, yeah, I... If you had to pick a Super Bowl guy, a team right now, it's maybe the Patriots and who knows who else because it's everybody's so inconsistent. The one, even though they didn't overwhelm the Minnesota Vikings in Minnesota, and we talked about before about how they, they have had problems in Minnesota, but the Green Bay Packers and obviously Aaron Rodgers, we can go on forever about Aaron Rodgers, but they've not had a presence at running back like Eddie Lacy since forever. To me, that's a game changer. That could be the team now, their defense, and they got uh, uh, Matthews in the middle. And but I think to go with because we know Aaron Rodgers is going to th- continue to throw for a million yards. He's what he's forty-five yeah. now, forty-seven touchdowns to five interceptions. That's just an ungodly combination. Bad. But Eddie Lacy is the thing that makes me think. You know what? He could be the game changer for the Packers now. I know, and, and then when I when I coached there with Brett Favre. You know, Brett always had a balanced offense, it seemed. You know, guys like Amon Green, Dorsey Levins, Edgar Bennett, they, they ran the ball quite a bit. And they haven't had that really with Dorsey Levins until, like you said, now with, with Eddie Lacy. And he came out of the gate last year as a rookie, made the rookie of the year on offense. And, and he's the banger. you got to have that guy in Green yeah. Bay when the weather's awful. And it's usually awful And nowadays in December and Thanksgiving time. And so... Um, yeah, I, this team is kind of fun. Aaron Rodgers was only 3-3 three and three going to Minnesota uh, in his career, uh, and it was a tough game for him. Mike Zimmer played a heck of a game on defense. But, of course, the Packers, like you said, they're one of the, they're one of the teams to watch. And the Denver Broncos, when you, when you sat watching the game, and it felt like Miami, particularly in the first half, was controlling everything. You thought, you know what? Denver could get beaten here. And that was going to be substantial if they got beat at home by Miami. Now, obviously, in the second half, and then Peyton gets going. You go back and you look at the drive chart. They never stopped Denver. Other than the, they, they punted, I think, virtually every series, they either scored a touchdown, kicked a field goal, missed a field goal. The point being, they got into scoring position. I'm talking about Denver now. And ended up, you know, dominating the time of play and all that. It didn't feel that, that way watching it, although Peyton down the stretch. But the big thing that jumped out at me was, we always know, and we've talked a lot about Peyton, he's going to check the box. And, yeah, they'll run the ball if you want to give him a light box and configure yourself defensively to not throw the ball. They seemed more committed with 200 yards rushing. They, were, they didn't matter what the ball. They called and ran the ball, and I've not seen them do that as of late. Well, they needed to do that because they, you know, they're running out of running backs, right, Brian? You know, before the season starts, to get rid of No. Sean Marino and then Monty Ball and and uh, Ronnie Hillman get hurt, and so this young kid, C.J. Anderson from Cal, 
undrafted guy, he's all of a sudden carrying the load. Maybe it's the system. No, I don't know. It's, uh, <laughs> you know, but, you know, right, they, they did move the ball up and down the field, and they needed to because the game before, they didn't even reach the red zone against the Rams. And so uh, it only scored seven points. So there, there's that inconsistency again. Uh, you know, the Denver's losses are all on the road. Uh, I was a little concerned about them getting really humiliated by the Rams because they couldn't get anything going, it seemed. But uh, I think they're going to be one of those teams that's better at home and uh, a little iffy on the road, but certainly one of the good teams in the league. We expected a lot from them going into this. Well, they've got, they've got at the Chiefs this next week, so that, that will be a good test. test. And then a tough one, obviously, for Kansas City. That would be tough for them to lose that one. Then they got the Bills. Then they got the Chargers and the Bengals on the road. So we're going to know about Denver on the road, that challenge yeah. that you and I are talking about by season's end, given that schedule. Well, that Kansas City game, because the last time yeah. they played at Denver and Kansas City was knocking at the door at the end to win that thing. And so, but gosh, Kansas City didn't look very good on Thursday night against the Raiders. Now, that was a weird game, uh, rainy. And yeah, it was, I, I tip my hat to the Raiders. They were pretty, pretty good and playing hard. But Kansas City didn't look like the team to beat that night. But maybe they were looking ahead. The last time the Kansas City Chiefs were looking ahead to the Broncos, they lost a home game to Tennessee, for yeah. God's sakes, at yeah. home. Same so, scenario, yeah. Yeah, so maybe they're going to be up for this game. They need to be to keep uh, keep up with Denver. Let, let's. Uh, well, you brought it up earlier. The 49ers didn't look particularly good. Seattle butted home against. Let's handicap that NFC West a little bit. Uh, when it's all said and done, in fact, that they're all playing one another as we go down the, the, the stretch yeah. here, uh, which is good because, you know, Seahawks have got to play the 49ers twice. they got to play at the Eagles, which I think is going to be huge because you could be talking – you know, playoff potential in terms of elimination, even to get into the playoffs, maybe home field, all that. Let's let's handicap that division right now. Right, right up front, who who do you think who who would you pick to win the division right now? Okay, even though so you're talking about the Carolina, or, or the Cardinals sitting there at nine and two now. So, did you get one of these? Did you get one of these uh, uh, schedules for every team from our crack research yeah. staff? No, I'm not. I'm yeah. not. I'm, I don't get that that so, good stuff that you guys get. I have to actually do yeah, my own uh, information. So. So I went through it with a fine-tooth comb, and I'm looking at everybody's schedules, and they're going to play each other and beat each other, and oh, boy. So here's why I, so I figured it out. Now, I want you to keep this tape. Okay. All right, let is me write that. I'm going to write that down. That's good. Write, write, write that down. This, people, Real? Okay. is how it's going to end. And so does one of those 11 and fives, it, for the, this is radio, so we'll have, you got Arizona going 12 and four, you got Seattle 11 and five, San Francisco 11 and five, and you got St. Louis at seven and nine. Do both yeah. those 11 and five Seattle and San Francisco teams make the playoffs? No. One, no. Of, one of them's not going to no. make it. Remember a few years ago when uh, Tom Brady got hurt and Matt Castle went 11 and five, they didn't make the playoffs over there in the AFC. So they're not going to both make the playoffs because you're going to have the Eagles and the Cowboys uh, probably both going. Because I've got, I've got uh, let me put my glasses on here, Brian. I've got Arizona winning the next game at Atlanta. Yeah. Right? Okay. There, there's a I, bold I, pick. Easy. Okay. Okay, so, so then I have them beating Kansas City at home. Because now, it's at home. That's a tough game. Uh-huh, but it's they're at home. home. Uh-huh. And then I have them beating the Rams. Uh-huh. Now, you know, it's, it's at St. Louis. It'll be a tough game. It's a Thursday night game. But I just, I just uh, I think they can win those three. If they win those three, it doesn't matter if they lose to Seattle and San Francisco right. after that. Right. Okay, which I, I think those two teams could beat them. So if they win 12 games, they're going to be in. 
Why? Because I think Seattle and San Francisco, Brian, will split, split. home and home. Home team winning. Yeah, and so that puts them, you know, going four and one. Both of those teams going four and one, the remainder of the season, putting them at eleven and five, game over. That's what I see now. St. Louis, they might be seven and nine or six and ten. That doesn't matter. But I, the way I see it, if uh, the you know teams that are favored win like they're supposed to, the Cardinals should be twelve and four. What a year that would be. Okay, so let me. Okay, so it goes down that way. I'm with you. That's all because that just tells us the seating. If it goes the way you said, who's the best team in the NFC West? Not who's the highest rated, but who you are you're going to put your, your record says you okay. are. Okay, so so if your paycheck's on it, you're going to take Arizona over yeah. Seattle and San Francisco. Yeah, only because they're two games ahead right now with five games to play, and they would have to essentially have a minor collapse. Okay, I'm not saying how they finish. I'm with you on that. I'm saying we're now in the playoffs. And Seattle and or San Francisco have to go to Arizona. Who wins the game? Mm. See, now now you hesitate. I'm with you because I, I tell you what, Drew Stanton, that's fine. We all know what he is. He's still a backup quarterback, and they still can't run the ball. I, I just can't see that formula doing well in the playoffs. Well, you know, yeah, I don't think they're going to go to Arizona right away because the Cardinals will probably have a home, a home uh, bye. Mm-hmm. They probably will have a bye. And the 49ers or the Seahawks will probably have to travel to maybe Green Bay. <laughs> Nobody wants to travel to Lambeau right. in the playoffs. Right. Boy, it's going to be interesting. But, yeah, Seattle and San Francisco getting in. They just got to get in. Right. right now, they're on thin ice. They have to just get in. They're both good enough to win this thing, but they have to get in. Okay, let's, let's go back to your 49ers here. Obviously, they're playing great defense. And to get – Alden Smith back to go with Justin Smith, and it's, it's huge. And that, that defense is as advertised. has been good all year long. They were good on defense the other day, obviously. It was sure. the offense. So how much better are they going to be offensively? I mean, they've got a good offensive line. they got two running backs. I know it's all Kaepernick. Is San Francisco going to come out of this kind of funk they're in right now? I don't know because their defense has played well even without – Alden Smith, you know, how, how much better are they going to be? He got a couple of sacks. He's a heck of a player. We all know that. But I, I, I'm worried about their offense scoring enough points. Now, they're a little bit lucky in that some of the playoff teams in the NFC don't score a lot of points, like, like Arizona, right. Seattle. You know, they're defensive-minded teams. So the, the offense, to me, I'm, try, I'm trying to figure them out. What are they? You know, uh, who are they? And, and uh, Anquan Bolden's a beast. We know that. Crabtree can be good. Cap is up and down. He'll miss some throws that make you shake your head. Gore and uh, Carlos Hyde are beast running the football. But I don't know what, what kind of offense they run. It's kind of a mishmash to me. It's a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and provides no consistency to me. And I don't know. I still, I still just have got a man crush on Colin Kaepernick. I just think you his do? throwing action – I wish I wish they could just take a year and say we don't care if we win or lose. We're going to let him throw it six hundred times. We're going to we're going to have him grow as a quarterback because I think he just has that special arm. I don't know about his decision making and all those things that you, but I don't think we know because it, 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 the inconsistency of the style that they're playing and they're doing what they got to do to win games. I get that, and yeah. so I'm just I'm just kind of talking off the top of my head here. But 
his pure physical skills, I just get mesmerized yeah. by the way this guy throws. And Seattle, you know, they're okay, the Legion of Boom's back. They had the, the group meeting and Pete, and we all, you know, we dog cussed one another, and we're okay now, and that's why we played well. <laughs> well, they played a mediocre Arizona offense. I don't know that, that, there's, that they're back defensively. And obviously, offensively, it's the same with uh, we all love Russell Wilson, and they're in beast mode, and they can probably get on a nice run, but. I don't know that I totally buy into the dominance the way we did last year about Seattle being that dominant team. Absolutely. They lost too many players in the offseason to free agency, three defensive linemen, Brandon Browner. They just – Breno Giacomini, their tackle. They're just guys. They're just different. And so I feel a little bit bad for Russell Wilson with his receiving core, they play hard and they play well. There's nothing wrong with Doug Baldwin. They're just dead average. They're just a dead average receiving group. Yeah, it's it's not real deep, and the tight ends hurt. And there's just you know they they're not that ex- explosive. If Beast Mode's not making a hundred yards, then Russell Wilson has to make a hundred yards. So I don't think they're going to score a lot of points. They're very good on defense. I like their scheme. Byron Maxwell coming back healthy really helps them. And Bobby Wagner came back. They need him just desperately. So, boy, I, I can't wait. If the only glitch it's, I see in this, the scheduling, Brian, you got to see the Seahawks traveling to San Francisco on Thanksgiving night, right? And then they, they each play a game, and then they play again. I, I, don't, I wish that couldn't happen in their schedule. They wouldn't because, shove it into a three-week period. Yeah, because if you have one key guy hurt or two, yeah. let's say your quarterback's gimpy or, or your tailback's out or something, that's that's really significant to have you know to have those two games so close together that are so darn important. I wish they would split. I love playing the division games at the end of the season right, in December. Right. I wish the other part of that division would be like early in the season and then late in the season. Right. Not not two games within three weeks. That's that's crazy to me. Well, we talk about the progression of a Russell Wilson and, and I, uh, Colin Kaepernick. Let's talk about the progression of another guy that is whoa. This is uh, RG3 and Washington. Of course, they, they lost to San Francisco and, and barely, but that was about as ugly a performance. I did a piece on Playbook. Uh, I don't know what he's looking at. He has regressed so much as a quarterback. We did a piece, and I think Kurt did it on game day morning as well, Yep. where there's guys wide open, and they're the primary guys, and he's just not seeing them, and he's holding the ball. And I know he's been out of it a little bit, but he, I don't, he's got to be staring at the front because he sure as heck isn't looking at the receivers and the, and the defensive rotation. I hope there's some quarterback coaches and some young quarterbacks w- listening to us and watching this, because you just mentioned, you, know, you don't know what he's seen. You know, when, when I was coaching quarterbacks for so many years, if there was ever a time where I needed to have a conversation about, you know, a decision, an interception, or even a completion, didn't matter, I would, the first thing I usually would say, Brian, to, to the quarterback when he came off the field is, what did you see? And, and he needed to tell me, well, I saw the free safety move. I saw cover two. I saw the blitz. My hot was, I want, you need him to see the right thing. And you are hit it right on the head. You're exactly right. Kurt showed a tape where he had corner routes wide open. The flats were even wide open. And he ended up taking a sack. And you wonder if his vision from the pocket is such that he understands where everybody is, what the defense should be doing. And, and then, and then as you know, when he gets under duress, 
his eyes come off his work and end up looking at the defensive lineman sometime. And of course, you can't get anything done then either. So what do you see? It's it's because um, he's certainly athletic enough. He works at it enough. Um, he just he needs to be back in that pocket and drilled and drilled and drilled. He needs to be a better quarterback uh, in terms of his vision. I used to ask my quarterbacks the same thing until I had Jim McMahon, and he threw a free safety, jumps around underneath and gets intercepted, and I came off, and I'm trying to be the good coach. I go, well, what did you see? And he looked at it in a normal Jim uh, fashion went, Obviously not the free safety. <laughs> I mean, it's like, is that all you got for me? I mean, I know I, I missed that him. Guy. That's why I threw right. the pick. So when, when he left you guys, uh, we signed him in Green Bay, right? Because we fired, we fired one of our quarterbacks in the middle who checked on a play against the Vikings, TJ Rubley. Anyway, so we brought in Jim McMahon to the Packers. And it was like, oh, is this going to work with Favre? Because they're both crazy. Is it gasoline and matches? Or oh is this going to be a match made? Favre heaven? and Jim McMahon so, in the same meeting room? Oh, my God. This is like in November. This is like cold time. Jim McMahon shows up at our facility in a fur coat. Fur coat all the way down, sunglasses on. He walks in, and I'm going, oh, my God. I got to coach this guy. This is going to be, I'm going to get battle pay here combat pay and so it was but you know what he was fun he tell was me he had something on underneath that fur coat this time he did okay yeah. this time <laughs> this time <laughs> yeah oh we could... my golf tournament a couple years ago he did the whole the whole day barefoot yeah okay we could we mm. could do the whole we could do this whole podcast on on jim Mc, uh, mcmahon there's no question about that um you know well let, let's let's finish off let's bring it full circle because last week we talked about the convers- you know, RG3 afterwards and then what Jay Gruden said, and they both kind of walked it back during the week and whatever. It, let's talk about that relationship because we speculated before because there's always something special between the play caller and the quarterback. Not necessarily the head coach and the quarterback, maybe the same, but always a play caller and the coordinator. And going forward and then watching what we saw in San Francisco, I- I'm not sure how this relationship goes forward. I'm not sure either. And and I think I, I really do think one of the reasons that Jay Gruden got the job because he's a player's coach, he's a younger guy, you know, been a player, did the arena thing, and he's comes to good genes and all that stuff, right? And I think their initial impression was that this guy would be able to salvage uh, RG3 and the commitment that they made to RG3, giving up all those draft choices and. They want him to be the face of the organization and the and the guy who runs, you know, who, who leads them, and and right now it doesn't look like they're headed in that direction, and it's unfortunate because I th- I think a lot of both guys, um, but you know they're losing and and RG three is not playing very well. You know, poor guy, he was dynamite his rookie year. He was fantastic his rookie year, and then he got hurt. And then he hasn't been the same since. He hasn't gotten his mojo back for whatever the reason, it seems. And I'm rooting for him. But with Jay, it seems like they're button heads already. And, and so I don't know where he goes. Does he keep trying to play him? I think so. But at some point, uh, with, with the, in the team's eyes, do they feel that RG3 is the guy? Uh, or do they, do they feel, hey, coach, move on? He's never going to be able to do it for us. Wow, I don't that, know the answer. That answers. would be huge for that because, like you said, they brought Jay in for that. Could they? And we both would not endorse it and, and know that this thing can go forward. But does management panic a little bit and going, well, look, we brought this guy, Jay Gruden, in to make him better, and it didn't work. 
So do we have to do something else after just one year? They've done that before, Jim Zorn. I know they've done that before. Yeah, so I, ho- I hope it doesn't turn out not. that way. Let, let's talk about, again, just real brief for your situation. We've got to talk a little bit about Mike Smith and the Atlanta Falcons at the end of the game, the decision. And we're not going to beat up here whether it was the wrong decision because it's always looked through the prism of did it work or did it not work. Let's just talk about, and for those that saw the game, obviously, calling a timeout on a third down. Um, that otherwise might have been called by Cleveland, so you don't bring the clock down. Then they throw up a fade on the third down. That stops the clock again. They kick the field goal, and that gives Cleveland time to come back with three timeouts at 45 seconds. They move back to position and kick the field goal. Let's talk about the decisions, how we as coaches made that kind of decision. Let's try to talk about what they could have been talking about in that sequence of using the timeout and the play call they made. Well, first of all, you're always, you, you know how many timeouts that you have, but you also have to know how many timeouts the other team has and kind of take a guess as to how they're going to use their timeouts. Well, with Mike, you know, he took the timeout after second down completion, right? And it was third and two. He took the timeout. Well, to, you know, if Cleveland had no more timeouts left, you just simply run the ball right there and run it all the way down and kick the field goal, right? But... But he knew darn well he could throw the football right now on third and two. If it's incomplete, you're going to stop the clock, which you, you, you want to make it complete. But even if it's complete, Cleveland's going to take their, one of their timeouts. So he could have, you know, it, it, was, it was a situation Mike had to say, the clock's going to stop after this play, whether it's incomplete or whether we it complete it, because Cleveland's got a full boatload of timeouts. And it was just unfortunate for Mike that you know he he gave Cleveland forty four seconds. You know you and you and the three timeouts. That's where all your timeouts. You can look at it. and You're right. You're exactly right. You have to account for what your timeout situation is, but what is there? So they're going to be able to stop the clock. And he even said after the game, and that was a little bit of it was unfortunate to come out that way, but it was very honest. Had we not called it, Cleveland would have called the timeout. Well, then let yeah. them. I understand yeah. wanting to have Make one, an orchestrated third-down call. He said that they, they had made the decision beforehand that that was outside, you know, Matt Bryant. You know, at the end of the game, if you've got to make a 60-yard field goal to win, you, you, you send him in. But I used to do the same thing with Matt Stover, one of the best kickers ever in the game. Matt, tell me your range here. And we were outdoors, yeah. so, okay, if we're going this way, tell me where you need it and what's the limit. I mean, if you've got to go and you make it, you've got to make it. But if I'm having to make the decision during the course of the game and have a choice – then, then tell me where your limits are. Because I don't want to – how do you turn to a kicker and say, can you make this? Well, what man's going to go? Well, you know what, Coach, I don't think I can. Well, he, he's not going to give you that response. I remember I, that, that happens, you know, because you're always – the wind, how far is his, you know, all that kind of stuff. I remember, you know, trying to find my kicker. And he's always – he's never standing right next to me. <laughs> he was hiding. He's over there in that net. They have that net that they love. You know, if you ever need to give a kicker a Christmas present, buy him a net. And so I, I had to go run over there. Can you make it from 53 or not? I don't know, Coach. How's, how's the wind? And so <laughs> Right now not. you know, okay, this guy's not going in. <laughs> oh, kicker's Oh, it's nuts. a tough one. And so but I guess the biggest thing I would say is if you're going to call the timeout on third down, then you, you got to throw a high percentage pass or run. Don't give him another clock stoppage with the potential for an incompletion. So your problem was the play call? The fade, well, the, the or, combination or of, of, okay, if you want the more orchestrated call, use the timeout. But then the throwing up the low percentage fade afterwards, which is also going to stop the clock. If I'm going to use a timeout, I'm going to make them use at least one timeout. 
mm-hmm. by running the ball or throwing a, a more high percentage pass. So, yeah, it's uh, and, and the fact that it turned out the other way, if he doesn't drive the length of field, kick a field goal, then we're not questioning it as much. But obviously where Atlanta is right now, it's a tough situation for, for Mike Smith. Let's move to a more positive. We, we both talked about that Odell Beckham. You know, we've been talking about it here at uh, NFL Network all, all day long, all around the country. Greatest catch, greatest catch you've ever yeah. seen? Yeah, I mean, yeah, pretty good, huh? I, see, I was flying home, you know, after I was working with you guys yesterday, and I was flying home, so I had my wife tape the game, so I watch it, and I, I, I watch it after she goes to bed, and then I, that he made that catch, and I woke her up. I said, <laughs> so "You got to see, you got to see this catch." Would she appreciate what? it? No, she didn't appreciate it at all. I said, "You have to see this catch." And the funny thing is, for the broadcast just before this, Brian. They were showing this kid in pregame warm-up. Doing Did the same thing, that? wasn't it? Yep. It was all the same thing. Yep. He Great job by hands. NBC. Yes, and play the music to it. And that. Are you kidding me? It's the reaching didn't... behind. And you know, here's the other thing. At some <laughs> point, right here, first the reach behind. But as he's going down, you know he's thinking, I'm not bringing the other hand in. I'm not. I know. I, that's. That's what shocks me. Why not the other hand? Because I think it's a conscious going, I know I've got one of the great all-time catches ever. I'm not even – I'm going to get up. I'm not even going to touch it with my left hand. Now, when does it occur – how good an athlete are you for that to occur to you? That, you know what, I'm not even going to put my left hand on it. That's crazy. I mean, this kid has got so much athletic confidence that I just – it was unfortunate that – he was hurt. He had the hamstring early in the year, and now Victor Cruz is hurt because can you imagine both of those guys on the field in the slot at the same time? My God, uh, they would be dynamic. Who's, who's, the, kid, best, who's the best hands you ever had? Um, Jerry Rice. Come yeah, on. Yeah. Come on. Jerry really, though? Rice. I mean, he can be the greatest all time, but did he have the greatest hands? The Really, the best yeah, yeah, hands? Yeah, great. You can, you can see some of his one-hand catches yeah. um, on film and all that stuff. He'd pull them in, and he would do it in practice, too, and – uh, you know, he, he was the best of all time, but he was. So I got, I got to go practice. back and do playbook with Sterling Sharp and tell him that Sterling okay. Sharp wasn't the best. I'll tell you what, though. Let me tell you about Sterling Sharp because you know he's nuts. All right. And so, but Sterling Sharp grew up as a quarterback. He was recruited to South Carolina. He was a quarterback. Okay. And then eventually became a wide receiver. So Sterling Sharp, you know how hard he works. I mean, he used to bench press 360 reps before games. I go, what are you doing, man? He goes, I'm just getting loose. Anyway, so he, but he had this habit. It was an obsession that he would catch 100 passes before every practice and before every game. Well, who had to do it? Gruden had to do it. John Gruden, because he was his receiver coach. And, and it was like, Gruden would go, oh, my God. His arm just limp. Yeah. I have to do this again. <laughs> and so, but Sterling, you know, high catches, low catches over here, bah, 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 all the different catches. And he was a fanatic that way, but he had great hands, man. He didn't drop many passes in games. He well, was, how about you? Yeah, well, Chris Carter, you know, I had Chris for nine sure. years. And the same thing. It never ceased to amaze me through his entire career that Chris, after practice, and I'm the same thing. I, wore, I didn't have to throw it, but I wore my hand out and my arm out with the jugs machine every day after practice, one-handed, right-handed, left-handed, back-turned, high, sure. low. I mean, three, three times a week, he'd get on that jugs machine to end practice and work on those eye-popping one-handed grab. And then he had such great body presence and the ability. You know, and I had Randy Moss. Of course, Randy, that was just yep. a sheer freak of nature in terms of what he was able to do in terms of catching the ball. But Chris Carter probably had the best hands of any receiver that, uh, you know, we're lucky to be around guys like that. And it's just yeah. an innate sense. They just see the ball. I'm convinced they see the ball 
differently than you and I. They don't know anything different because they've been their way their whole well, life. They just see you know, it. It must be as big as a basketball to them. Yeah, they can track the ball and all of that. And, you know, there's something natural about it, too. Some people, though, think they come out of the womb catching balls. These guys work at it. They work at it. Yeah, like, and that's, like that's crazy, the too. Yeah. And, and the young people got to recognize that, that you can have that innate ability. But to, to work at it, like you talked about, Sterling, I got Shannon Sharp the same way, his brother, obviously. And Shannon had great hands and just had a sense for it and a, a sense of body you know, where the ball was compared to my body and just had that that unique sense. So we were lucky to be around great players like that. Well, thanks for joining us for the Coach's Show. Uh, Make sure you check us out every week at the same time, also streaming on NFL.com.